Why do we spend so much time comparing ourselves to others? Is it a fear of rejection, of not being good enough? Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 17, and we are going to be talking about comparison and how draining and destructive that can be to a marriage. Yeah, very. Why does it suck the soul out of one's marriage? Why does comparison do that? Well, I I think that, you know, a critical comparison really leaves you looking for what you don't have. Right. Instead of focusing on what you do have. Right. So when I find myself comparing to someone else, you know, rarely does that comparison just involve, you know, checking off similarities all the way down the list and, and that's all there is to it. Like, when was the last time that happened to you? You know what I mean? That's not how yeah. comparison goes, right? And and then comparison really begins to feed into a sense of jealousy. So because we're looking at things that others have that we don't. Right. And I think we can get focused on that. Like I, I know of one relationship and the person became so focused on something that their husband wasn't, Mm -hmm. that they wanted him to be, that they missed out on the other like hundred things in ways that he was a fabulous husband. Right. Yeah. So I think often, you know, we can, we sell ourselves on the idea that there's an ideal out there. Right. And, and we need to be thankful, more thankful for what we have presently. Right. Mm -hmm. You're my ideal. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Cheesy. (laughs) So, so I think, you know, and often we tell ourselves lies about that. So when we're looking for stuff that's outside of what we have, we're comparing that and we're thinking, well, that would be nicer, especially in the marital thing. And and if you're if you're doing this with your spouse and another spouse, and I'm thinking about another woman, you got to remember you get the whole package, mm-hmm. right? And often if we're idealizing that person, we're just kind of cherry picking certain virtues or qualities. And we're assuming that everything else is just as good. Right. And the grass is always greener. You know it what is. I mean? Like you don't look over there and see all the bad things. No. If you're comparing... I mean, so, sometimes you could, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways in our culture, I think for guys, it probably happens more. It could happen more around their wives' bodies and that type of thing. And so, you know, you, you're, we're taught to idealize the model body mm-hmm. and we forget that these, you know, these movie stars or models or whoever that are raised up on this pedestal, that those are real people as well. And they come with a history and they have baggage. And, you know, she might be incredibly beautiful, but she might be so horrible to be around. And right. that's, that's kind of what I mean about the full package. Mm-hmm. And, and as long as you're believing that lie that something, you know, better out there would make my life better, you're denying those other parts of the reality. But you're also taking away from yourself the opportunity to develop your own appreciation for the beauty of your wife. Yeah. And I think that's more, that's going to be a lot better for your marriage, right? And that's what God Absolutely. had in mind is, is for you to see your wife as the beautiful match for who you are. Or your husband. Yeah. And to find beauty in, in all that he's doing there. And and in that, you know, we're not a, idealizing each other either. I guess that's what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think you normally do that, right? No, I mean, I know in, you're not perfect. In jest, that's right. And so yeah. we can accept those shortcomings from each other because of the love that we have and the recognition that what we have between us and that shared history is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So any uh, research? Did you find any research about comparison? Yeah, some interesting things that came out, just to quote these guys, Sanders and Sulls, I think their names are, and they wrote, this is 1982, so it's a little back in the last millennium, but 
said the wife's status in both her eyes and in the eyes of her husband is contingent upon her performance, whereas the husband's status is independent of his standing vis-a-vis his wife. Meaning... What does that mean? That wives' identities are more centered typically in the marriage and okay. husbands more in career and non-marital relationships. And that was despite the fact that in that study, most of the couples had working wives. So she was more likely to compare in the context of relationship issues and in between themselves about how things were going on in the marriage. And he was more likely to make comparison between work things and career related oh, issues and okay. what his standing was in the work context. Okay. So, you know, if you're, if you're male in listening to this and one female in listening to this, you'll be taking different perspectives on how you see yourself or recognize yourself doing comparisons. Okay. Likely. And that's fine. Yeah. But in marriage, like the better a spouse perceives sort of the input output ratio, how much I'm get putting in and how much I'm getting out. Yeah. Compared to others, the more satisfied they are with their own marriage. Okay. Does that make sense? So. So if I feel like I put in a certain amount and you give me way more back, mm-hmm. is that what you mean? Or you put in just as much into the relationship as I do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to perceive that as a, I'm going to be happier. Yeah. Either way, you're, I think it's the perception, Verlin, of your investment against the return. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if I feel like I'm putting in and putting in and putting in and putting in, there's no return and I, I get ignored and. And there's no, you know, the love for the the little things are I do for you are not reciprocated in ways that, you know, speak to me. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's there's less satisfaction. So there's the, that's almost a comparison between spouses, right? That's me comparing what oh. I put in versus what you put in. Right. So, so we can compare ourselves like to other couples out there. Yeah. But we could also compare ourselves to each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then just taking that a little bit further, like if you're, if you're happy and about your marriage and you're comparing it to other people's, you're comparing your marriage as better, that will make you feel better. Okay. Which makes, I think that's obvious obvious enough when you when you turn yep. around and say it, right? But if you're not happy about your marriage, it's going to make it feel worse. So this is a okay. two-edged sword that I think we have to watch out, right? But, you know, bringing that into the context of the marriage and the two of us or any couple, mm-hmm. there really needs to be that idea of working hard to make sure that our spouse feels equitable in terms of contribution, like that we're both invested and we're both contributing to the marriage. Right. Okay. So what I'm getting from this then is that comparison is not healthy. Like if we feel good about our marriage and we compare it, it's going to make us feel better. If we don't feel good about our marriage and we compare it, it's going to make us feel worse. Mm -hmm. So does that mean we should only compare when we're happy or comparison shouldn't really be a part of marriage? Well, I think it needs to be cautious because if you only compare when you're happy, you know, you you could become sort of proudful and it would be easy. I, I think for myself, I would... If I was feeling pretty good about my marriage, I could start taking stuff for granted. And there wouldn't be too many months before that started feeling lame for you. Right. Because I might back off subconsciously, you know, whatever, because we kind of got it made. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be too excited about doing it either way. Right. And even though I, I find myself doing that from time to time, certainly. <laughs> yeah. So if comparison's not healthy for our marriage... Mm-hmm. What can we do then to combat that, to stop ourselves from going down that road? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that having good discussions with each other about what we have going on between us Mm -hmm. is better. And, you know, voicing concerns that I have. And so what I might do is instead of me coming to you and and saying like, you know, you know, voicing a complaint with you, Verlinda, I might start comparing you with other women, right? And seeing that there and maybe even mentioning stuff in passing, and maybe that would send signals to you, which make you feel insecure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you try harder or you start criticizing back or whatever, but we can go down a whole sort of crazy cycle road there that none of which is going to 
actually help what's going on. Right. And so, you know, if I feel like I'm putting so much in and not getting out, maybe stop and, and think about, number one, do I have some kind of a perception problem here? Because I might just be kind of full of myself or not acknowledging or, or taking the time to stop and be grateful for what you are doing. Right. Or it may actually be imbalanced. And maybe, you know, when you stop and recognize the fact that we're in a place in life, say, for example, if you had a health crisis where, yeah, I'm going to be investing a lot more in this marriage. And for the right. vows that we made for better or for worse, we're in the for worse mode. Right. Right now. But we're going to, you know, the bond is there. We're going to push through this. The covenant, the promises still stand. Right. So I think we should have conversations about it. Yeah. And I think too, we could focus on the positive. Like instead of focusing on what you're not, mm-hmm. I can focus on what you are. Mm-hmm. Like I had this conversation at the pool this week. It was really neat. And I was commenting, I was gushing about you basically. And uh, this wife's like, oh, well, you know, my husband doesn't do that. But do you know what? I realized my husband does this for me. Mm-hmm. And she was like all excited about that. And it wasn't in a comparison mode, like, oh, my husband doesn't do that, but he's better at this. It was just like, I used to take this for granted, but I realized, you know what? My husband does this. Right. And I'm so thankful for it. Right. And I just thought that's someone who's focusing on the positive Mm -hmm. and not going, I wish my husband did whatever. Mm -hmm. So Uh, instead of her needing her husband to do for her what I do for you. She had other things that she was grateful for. She didn't have to make us the same person. Yeah, exactly. Have her husband, you know, do all the things that every other husband is doing. Right. Because in that's that's what worked for them. That was good mm-hmm. in their relationship. And mm-hmm. that's how he showed his care towards her. You know, do you think a lot of that just comes back to good old fashioned attitude and having the right one? Having the right spouse or the right attitude? No, oh, the right attitude about yeah, your spouse. Absolutely. Yeah. Because even though I mean, I'm woman, right? I female, I go up and down in my emotions and I can think you're perfect one day. And then the next day I can be all on my high horse and think you're miserable or terrible. So it definitely is in the attitude, in the perception. Yeah. And and so maybe we should go down that road for a moment because I did find one piece of research that said on on average, they found that women felt more deprived than men. And Hmm. I kind of took that in my mind. I got thinking about, well, that could mean, you know, it's incumbent on husbands to ensure that their wives feel supported and yep. that they have influence. And we talked about having influence in, in one of our episodes. We can link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And that the husband, you know, that I'm taking up on as much responsibility for the relationship as you are. And I, I even noticed this in our, our Bible study today, that there was, you know, somebody said that the woman's primary responsibility is to raise the child. And I thought to myself, is that biblical or is that what we've been socialized to think? And maybe I should have raised the question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's easy enough to think, you know, you've got all your stuff to do. And I did my bit at work today and I provided for the family. And right. and I'm then gonna... you can begin to feel very alone, right? Yeah. So there may be some genuineness to this where we as husbands need to step up to the plate as well. Right. But on the other hand, we as wives need to realize that a lot of our perception is in our own attitude. Mm-hmm. If I'm sitting at home all day grumbling and gossiping, mm-hmm. That's not going to be healthy for my marriage. No, comparison, I don't think solves anything. No, no. Doesn't, it doesn't move you towards change. It doesn't move you towards strengthening your marriage. No. Yeah. I think the only good thing it might do is show you like, you know what? We've got an issue here. If you find yourself doing it, it could be a, you could use it as a warning sign. Yeah. And as a warning it sign as, and yeah. say, we need yeah. help. Yeah. Let's go to onlyforever.com and find out how we can change this. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, 
just to switch pathways a little bit here, too, I was thinking about Isaiah 45. And Isaiah 45 has this very powerful word picture about the a pot being made mm-hmm. by a potter. Yeah. It's the clay. And Isaiah, you know, he's writing this challenge. Should the, you know, should that pot argue with its creator as to how it was made? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to, to kind of take this down a, a notch, you know, as people, we can be dissatisfied with how God has made us. And we wish we were more this or more that. Yeah. And my comparison of my spouse or the comparison that I use between how we're doing generally versus the Joneses can be a dissatisfaction or, you know, a problem inside me of mm-hmm. not having accepted who I am in Christ Jesus and oh, finding okay. an identity in him that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. And by virtue of his acceptance of me and what God has done in my life and the redemption that we have in him, you know, moving from that place of having been accepted instead of always trying to find acceptance or, or to find significance and that type of thing. So yeah, you know, there can be really some deeper. Yeah, for sure. And know. once again, that's kind of going back to attitude. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of to summarize a little bit here, I think critical comparison leaves us looking for what we don't have. And that could be a real danger, Rolanda, that could lead to an affair, right? Okay. If you think yeah. about that going to an extreme, what if you're what your husband's missing, all of a sudden you find in another man, that's a vulnerability point for the relationship. That's very dangerous. Okay. But yeah, go on. Yeah. And uh, so it's likely more about our perception than reality too, comparison is, in our attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're female in your attitude that day, mm-hmm. so we need, it's not reality necessarily. May not be at all. But it's our perception at it's that time. It's your perception. And then the other thing that the research finds is that, you know, that, that critical thinking and that, uh, that comparison thinking may actually shift your reality so that you're affected about how you see the world because it becomes so colored by your comparison. Is that oh, am I making okay. any sense there? Okay. So your comparison process can shape your self-evaluation. Okay. And if that just goes on and on, you know, it just won't affect how you interpret the world, but how you see it. And then you're kind of down a road of of not being satisfied. That's really hard to get out of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So hopefully there's a bunch of different ideas. I know this can be a very individualized thing in every relationship, but just be aware of that comparison and maybe don't even need to be immediately judgmental of it, but be aware of it. And what does that mean in your relationship right now? And then take that to your spouse, have those conversations. Mm-hmm. If you're finding yourself doing it, maybe there's something you need to ask your spouse for. Yeah. Maybe it's just something we need to turn away from. It's not helpful. And we need to say, you know what? I'm done with that. Yeah. That's yeah. not my spouse. My spouse has never been that person, never will be that person. Yeah. I'm going to find something I can be thankful for. Yeah. And make a decision. Yeah. Good. Okay. Let's head over to our question and answer segment now. And now for our Q&A section. Remember, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can email it to questions at onlyyouforever.com or please leave us a voicemail at onlyyouforever.com slash questions. This question is from Edmund and he was referring to an article called 10 Habits of Happy Couples. And he, he asked a question, you know, is this the thing that happy couples do already? Or if unhappy couples start doing them, they will become happier. And so he's really asking the question, do you have to change your feelings to change behavior or does changing behavior change your feelings? What a great question. Yeah. Yeah. And not an uncommon one either. No. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear your answer because I know what I would say. Okay. You want me to go first? Sure. Okay. What I think is sometimes you have to do things that you don't feel like doing in order to get the ball rolling in the right direction. So for example... 
you know, if we have an argument to repair after that argument, you might feel like you're, you, you got to eat some humble pie or eat crow or whatever your mm-hmm. expression is, right? You never want to do that. Yeah. But for the sake of the relationship and what you're trying to preserve and strengthen, you got to go do it. So that's my first response. You got to do that. Okay. You got to, you got to proceed with the right behavior regardless of your feelings. Mm, okay. That's good. You okay with that? Yeah. What's your thought? Well, I know like fly lady, she would say, fake it till you make it. And I mean, you can't always like the behavior. fake everything. But yeah, yeah, if you're having a really bad day, put a smile on your face anyways and go and do something. And that in doing that, you'll feel better. So how does that work for you when I make your day the bad day? Well, I, I'm not sure that that's what the question is asking here in that we're having a bad day. But say the question again. Well, it's just more the sense, you know, if, if there are certain things that happy couples do. Yeah. And he's asking is, do they do that because they were already happy or did they decide to start doing these things and it would make them happy? I would say it's kind of a combination of both. Yeah. You know what? If you're happy, you kind of do these things automatically without thinking about them. But if you're not happy, I think you can consciously make a decision to do it and it will make you feel better. Yeah. I think, uh, oh, I'm happy with that. <laughs> All right. Good. No, good. that's good. Um, Dr. Gottman, who who does a lot of research and and is very... Uh, you know, one of his things he's very well known for is being able to predict divorces. Okay. Yeah. So he says if the fondness, and this is in his, in his marriage counseling manual, this level one manual, mm-hmm. he says, if the fondness and admiration system, as he calls it, which is just what it sounds like being fond, showing the ability to show fondness and admiration to each other. If that is dead, the marriage is probably done. You might as well work on, you know, how can they have an amicable separation and divorce? Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, he really believes in that fondness and admiration system, which is seated in the emotions. Yeah. But at the same time, he has a lot of, you know, interventions that are behavioral where he's getting people to do very specific things where they're turning towards each other. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of depends where you are in the relationship, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Let's not get to that point mm-hmm. where it's dead. Let's foster that atmosphere of mm-hmm. fondness and admiration and do those things that happy couples do. Yeah. And, you know, there are some marriages that have come back from that edge where that system is dead. And actually what I got thinking too is that arranged marriages, they have no fondness and admiration system at the start. Like I saw yeah. a picture of a Jewish couple, Orthodox Jews in Israel the other day, and it was their wedding day. They'd had one meeting together before that, and wow. they thought they would like each other. And that marriage was arranged. And like it's day one, and you're just, it's the two of you now after yeah. the celebrations are over, right? Yeah. Now those marriages, the divorce rate for arranged marriages is not any higher than what I'm going to call elective marriages, mm-hmm. which tells me you can... You know, you got to start with behaviors because the feelings aren't there. Yeah. And if you change those behaviors, the feelings can come. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say work on it. See how it goes. Try both ways. Take whatever you have. Yeah. I mean, don't try being an unhappy couple. No, sorry, Verlinda. What I'm saying is, you know, magnify the feelings that you do have. And if it's not there, try the behaviors and go down that road. Yeah. All good. Sounds good. Okay. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at onlyyouforever.com slash 17. Remember, we are here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So send us your marriage questions in to questions at onlyyouforever.com. Thank you for listening to the onlyyouforever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at onlyyouforever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.